0: Well, last week we prayed for uh, Chris Harrell and, and um, Ali Roman, and they're right over here back from Zambia, all right? When did you guys get back? Friday night, all right. I saw your video. That was awesome. Well done, well done. I want to encourage you this morning in a lot of ways. Today's a uh, pretty neat Sunday for us. I'm very excited. I wish we could just go all day, but we can't, so I got to talk really quick today. Um, are you, you ready to be listening very, very quick as well? Um, I do want to share a prayer request with you, and some of you might have got this in the email. Um, be praying for Brent Alderman. Um, many of you know Brent. He was uh, one of our elders for, for several years here at Centerpoint Bible Church. Brent and I have served together for over 20 years in one uh, form or another, and he was um, admitted yesterday to uh, um, Winchester Area Hospital. So be praying for him. Uh, Brent has a lot of struggles with his kidneys and in um, a lot of pain and just, just needs our prayer this morning. And so um, today, is, today is a day of a lot of things, okay? Today is, we're, we're celebrating that this is our last morning at Spring Mills Middle School, as we've already talked about. We're going to talk about where we're headed next, and we also have exciting news to share with you about what the Lord is, is doing in regards to some of our uh, long-term prayer requests that we have had. Um, but what we do as we point to Jesus Christ in his word. So before we talk about any of that, we're going to go to the Bible this morning and, and pick up where we left off and continue to, to study through the gospel of Matthew. And um, I don't know how far I'm going to get today because today I'm definitely a slave to the clock, okay? So I'm going to start into this and get as far as that can go and, and we'll see where we land and we'll pick up next week wherever it leaves off. So open up your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. And um, trust that God will use his word in our lives. As a matter of fact, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to do just that. Father, you know our hearts. You know what's going on in our lives today. You're very aware of us. You love us with an everlasting love. Lord, every, every element of our lives has been planned by you. You are the great sovereign creator, maker, sustainer of us, your human creatures. And Lord, we need your spirit to speak to us because we are prone to wander, prone to idolatry, prone to run to other things that offer us nothing. So today we want to be recalibrated, Lord. We want to be realigned to your way. Thank you that you have saved us from the destruction of the evil one who wants to drag us to hell. Instead, Lord, you've opened our eyes to grace. And we thank you for that reality we pray all this in Jesus' name. Well, yesterday I was almost one of 11,000. Did you know that there are 11,000 injuries a year from distracted walking? Yes, distracted walking. 11,000 injuries a year. Now, I was not going to be injured yesterday, but if I had not been careful, I would have injured somebody who was distracted walking. Now, you know the primary reason for this upswing and distracted walking injuries is none other than the what? The cell phone. And so people are walking like this all the time. As a matter of fact, distracted walking is now a punishable crime in Honolulu. In Connecticut, in New Jersey, there's an effort now for it to be passed as a, as a fined offense in New York City because so many people are doing just what a young man did yesterday. My wife and I are coming to a light. It was green. Green means go, right, for the driver. And this kid, this young man, is just walking across the road. He, he doesn't look up. He doesn't, he doesn't look left, right, doesn't stop and go. None of that stuff. He just walks out. And if we hadn't stopped, we would have run him over. And we would have been one of the 11,000. And as he went through, he finally turns around and looks at me. And I'm like, what's going on? Nothing back. Nothing back. Today I want to talk about the danger of missing the bigger picture. The danger of missing the large picture that is our lives. We're Matthew chapter 6. Uh, turn there with me if you haven't already. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1 through 4 is where we're going to start into today. And I fully expect that we'll finish this next week. But let's read it to understand what it is that Jesus is warning us against and calling us to. In verse number 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. we got to recognize the truth that we've been talking about together for the last couple of months. And that's this. That man is broken. Man is broken. That the, the Lord understands that about us. That, that because of sin, we, we always veer away from God if left on our own. Man is broken. And Jesus has been showing us that. In the words that Matthew recorded in chapter 5. As we've seen the holiness of God, the brokenness of man, and then invited to God's grace. But now what Jesus is doing is kind of a page now turns. And not only do we see that man is broken, but so is his worship. So is his worship. And so Jesus here walks through three examples. This is not an exhaustive list. But three examples of our worship, acts that we do to honor God, meant to praise him, meant to worship him, but are done in a broken fashion. And if not corrected, if not corrected, would lead us to an eternity separated from God. That's what this is saying. This is a rescue mission. This is Jesus coming to save our souls And so he points to three religious activities that man just steps into and does them in a way that brings glory to himself and rids him from God's grace. Those things are giving, praying, and fasting. Again, not an exhaustive list. There's more than that. But it's three things that Jesus is going to use in that culture to point to this problem. Now, it's easy for us to look at these Pharisees with, with head-shaking disdain and just agitated judgment. Like, how dare them just, you know, do this, give, provide this gift to the needy. And it says in verse number two, sound a trumpet. There's a lot of discussion about what's actually happening here. Was there a literal trumpet being sounded was it, the, was it the call of the, of the religious leaders to come and worship the trumpet would sound and they would come and, and dump their money there before the temple as a gift for all to see? The, the people that talk about a, a means of collecting offering or they would tr- throw money coins into a, a device that was shaped almost like a trumpet. We don't really know. But we do know why they're doing it. They do it, in verse number two, that they may be praised by others. So today, in the sovereign plan of God, what we want to start into is the real joy of giving. And the warning that Jesus is speaking against. And this is a sincere warning, a serious warning that Jesus wants to give us. And I think we all understand the reality Again, it's easy for us to shake our heads at the Pharisees. But there is a dangerous pitfall for us as followers of Jesus. There is truly a dangerous pitfall that Jesus is is touching. And it's this. If you are in Christ today, God's Spirit has come and indwelled you. And there are now acts of righteousness that are coming out of you. The Spirit of God is working in you. And so there are acts of righteousness. There, there's an expression of God's saving power in your life. His sanctifying power in your life. It's there if the Spirit of God is in you. If you have been justified, you are being sanctified. If you are in Christ, it is showing. But here's a dangerous pitfall for us as well. There is a dangerous pitfall. It is very easy, even for believers, to do their righteousness, to do their acts of righteousness that they may be seen by others. It is very easy for us to drift into doing the things that God's Spirit is prompting us to do only to impress someone else here in this room. Someone else in your family or in your, your sphere of influence. And Jesus is warning against that. See, speaking of hypocrisy, we talked about this last week. People say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. What is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is is a performance. It's, It's performing what I believe. It's I have a belief and I'm going to perform it. So that I might impress other people. Jesus defines it in verse number one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's a definition of hypocrisy. It's doing righteous things before other people in order to. So here's a, here's a purpose statement for, them to be, for those people to see you. To be seen by other people People. All right, let's talk though about the first element of religious hypocrisy. Jesus says in verse number two, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Now, notice in verse number two what Jesus does. he says, thus, when you give. And in reality, what, this, what Jesus says here is, thus, when you give alms, is what it literally says. It's to, it's to give to the desperate. It's spontaneous giving to people who are in need. It is seeing someone who has a desperate need and being moved in your heart and give to them. I, I trust that, There are times in your life where you experience this. What I want us to see today as we we start in this passage is that what Jesus, first of all, is starting with is a call to give. Notice he doesn't say, if you give to the needy, but he says, when? 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 This is a point in time. It's not if you should have the opportunity or if you think maybe you should. It is speaking of a point in time when you give to the needy. People who are justified will show that through their sanctification. Listen, when God works in a man or woman's heart, he changes them. He changes them. And part of this change is rather than a, a selfish collection of things for my own joy, a selfish collection of things for my own benefit, rather than seeking to, to meet my own needs, the Spirit of God changes me. And now I see the needs of other people, and I move to give. I move to give. Walk through your Bible and see this. Let me just help you, just to to understand this reality. Cain and Abel brought gifts to the Lord. Noah offered a sacrificial gift after leaving the ark. Abraham didn't think at all when God said, sacrifice your son. He said, okay, I give to you. Of course, here he is. Moses instructed the Israelites how to give and had to stop them. He had to say, he really, Moses had to come to the Israelites and say, listen, stop your giving. We have more than what we need to build the tabernacle. Stop. David, when he had the opportunity to give something to the Lord, but it would cost him nothing, he said, nope, I'm not going to do it. I will not offer to the Lord something that costs me nothing. And very striking for me this week, as I was reading through the Gospel of Luke and seeing the life of John the Baptist and the ministry of John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was preaching repentance and saying, turn to Jesus, do you know what he spoke of? When you repent, when you turn to Jesus, you will give. Someone will demand your tunic and you'll give him two. Someone will say, walk a mile, and you walk two. You will give. And think about this. If Jesus really changes lives, if you really believe that Jesus Christ changes lives, what better place than to take a selfish person and recreate them to a giver? Oh, that's the mark of God's grace to give. Jesus gave. Look at, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You might want to turn here just briefly as an introduction to this whole concept. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we, we see this, this truth about Jesus. Chapter 8, that is, verse number 9. 2 Corinthians 8 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 8 9 of 2 Corinthians. Keep your finger there in Matthew 6 and just hear the word of God. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich today i want to start and 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 just challenge you with are you an authentic giver is your life characterized by giving giving has a sanctifying influence in our lives it truly does giving away of your of your treasure giving away of your things giving away of the of the things that call to you is a means of killing the idol that's in our lives. Colossians chapter 3 verse number 5 says that covetousness, that wanting to have things, is idolatry. And we are to put it to death. Colossians 3 5. Put covetousness to death. You know how you kill covetousness? You want to know the silver bullet for wiping out covetousness? You want to know the wooden stake that drives in the heart of the covetous man? It's giving. It's giving. It's giving away. Three aspects of giving that I want to, that I want to just start into today and, and finish up next week. First of all, that giving is a sanctifying influence in our lives. Secondly, that God calls us to systematic giving. Systematic giving. And thirdly, that God calls us to spontaneous giving. Here in this passage, verse number two, this is an example of spontaneous giving. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. They have received their reward. We we see here that there is a danger, there is a danger associated with giving. We're called here to authentic giving, which we will see is systematic and is spontaneous and has a sanctifying effect on our lives. But there is a danger to it, and it's when we do it to be praised by others. I want to warn you that, that this kind of giving, when we give that others might be impressed, when we serve that others might be impressed, when we proclaim Christ that others might be impressed, we are now entering into a, a horrible exchange. When our giving is not done in secret, we are called to give here by Jesus, and when we when our authentic giving is not done in secret, there is there is this horrible exchange that happens. We lose something great and we gain something pathetic. We lose something great and we gain something pathetic. See this. Look with me at verse number three. I'm sorry, verse number two. They do this in the synagogues that they may praise by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What is gained by public expressions? Look at me! What is gained? The fickle, empty, worthless praise of men. That's all it is, and so when we give, when we give to receive the praise of men, that's it. That's it. When we serve, that other people will pat us on the back. When we give, the people will say, "Wow, did you see that?" When we tell people about Jesus, just so we can brag about it, Jesus says, "Congratulations." You got your payment in full. Hope you enjoyed it because it's over. It's a horrible exchange. Rather, what we need to do is what Jesus calls us to here. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father, listen to this, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Listen, this is our Heavenly Father. He has the big picture. He knows. He knows the big plan. He knows that this world doesn't satisfy. He knows you weren't made for things here. He knows the things that that are sort of laid out in front of you. Here, jump, seek, run after. He knows they don't deliver. He loves you. And so he says, kill that covetous nature. Give. See, no man can serve two masters. Matthew six twenty four. you can look at it. No man can serve two masters. He'll either hate one or love the other. You see, that word master is the word doulos. We've talked about it before. It's impossible for someone to have two masters. A doulos will was completely surrendered to that of the master. It's impossible to have two masters. You can't do it. Because they call the shots. I want to challenge you. What's the bigger picture in your life. Your father says, hey, I see all. I see all. I'm ready to reward. Let go. Let go of the things that you so quickly want to grab. Let go. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the way that you teach us, Lord. Oh, it's ever before us, our nature. How we grip hold of things that only drag us down. And meanwhile, you're there in your grace, waiting to take us to your side. Father, we, we, we release to you, we release to you the covetousness of our heart. We release to you our love for money. We release to you our resistance to give. May you shine through us, even in our giving. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.